0: I'm going to tell you something about Pastor Luke and Elder Nelson that you didn't know. They are gambling men. <laughs> they they bet, on, bet on me, so they got to be gambling individuals. But um, on a serious note, I want to say thank you, Elder Nelson and Pastor Luke, for... Listening to the word of the Lord to have me be a pinch hitter today. You know, keep Pastor Luke in your prayers. He and his wife, uh, Carissa, as they um, get well. And, you know, the church lift them up in prayer. A few disclaimers. Um, I'm not a trained preacher. Number two. My presentations are typically related to my experience, so I'm not talking about you. Are you with me? You're not going to be quiet today either, because we come to church to give, not to get, and by giving, we receive a blessing. So you're going to have to interact with me when I prompt you to. Is that all right? So my experience are generally the reasons why I put presentations. And so I'm kind of preaching to myself. And so I must admit that I am in need of change. And I hope that change is, is a better understanding of who I really am. Because I have allowed my expectations to drive my experience. Instead of allowing my experience to drive my expectations. Are you with me? See, my expectations have crippled the things that I have. I want to experience, and so it somehow has rail- railroaded my faith. Are you with me? Yes. You see, what's happening with me is that I tend to forget where the Lord has led me in the past, and and I want to look, to look for the things that are my expectations and so what's happening here is these expectations sometimes when I'm honest with myself does not align with the will of God please don't get quiet I'm saying my expectations when I really examine them does not align with the will of God yet I claim I'm a man of faith you see because Paul he puts it in Hebrews 11 verse 1 very eloquently when he says faith is the what substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not see, which simply means if I see it, then I don't have to hope for it. But if I hope for it, then I'm going to want to see it. Are you with me? Which simply means that faith is the go-between, when I juxtapose them, faith is the go-between my expectations and my experience in an omnipotent God. And so, this is where Abraham is. His expectations and his experience the title of the sermon is faith expectation or experience let us pray great God or Heavenly Father we come to you now in the precious name of Jesus send your Holy Spirit to speak to us now that only you will be heard we pray that lives may be changed for righteousness sake In Jesus' name, amen. You see, after the dispersion from Babel, Babel, however you want to pronounce it, polygamy became widespread. Are you with me? Coming from the Tower of Babel now. Polygamy was now widespread. Uh, And idolatry had become basically universal, and the Lord finally left the hardened transgressors to follow their evil ways. And that's why he chose Abraham of the line of Shem and made him the keeper of his law for future generations. You see, Abraham grew up in the midst of superstition and hedonism. Even his father's household, by whom the knowledge of God had been preserved, was yielding to the deductive influences surrounding them, and they served other gods than Jehovah. Just imagine that a house of God beginning to worship other gods. That's where Abraham was coming from. And so God had to call him out of his father's house to go to a land that he will show him. And he said to him in the text, I will make you a great nation, legacy. That's what Abraham wanted. And in you what? All the families of this earth will be blessed. And so Abraham gathered his things, he took his wife, Lot his nephew, and he journeyed out in faith. Do we call Abraham the father of faith? Huh? Yes. But we have to find out why he was called the father of faith. Because it wasn't that easy. See, I'm seeing myself in Abraham because immediately after Abraham left his father's house, And set on this journey of faith. He took faith for him to leave. Amen. And he's on this journey. And when he got to the place where the Lord was showing him. Water was withheld from heaven. There was no what? Famine on the land. Now imagine that. God is sending you to a place. And you live in faith. And when you get there. Famine. Hardship starvation, potential to die. This would have been cause for Abraham to question God. And what did he do? He went off into Egypt. God didn't send him there. So here's it, he left in faith, and at the first sign of trouble, Abraham went and did his own thing. That reminds me of me. He went to Egypt. Egypt. God never sent him to Egypt. And because he took matters into his own hands, he had to come up with his own, what, solution, because he was now not depending on God. And so he said to his wife, God bless wives. For <laughs> the amount of successful marriages that we have, it's because of the wives. <laughs> the amount of times... They forgive us and work with us. Because he said to her, when we get down there, you're going to tell them that you are my sister. Now, I know we have minors in the audience, but process that for a second what he was asking her to do. And she agreed. The whole point of this is they got into Egypt and got themselves in trouble. And while they were there in trouble, God is still merciful. When they were going to take Sarah or Sarai to be with the Pharaoh, the Lord intervened and told him. In a dream, torture, and you are a dead man. And so they brought Abraham to the pharaoh, and he said, "Hey, what have you done? This evil! Why have you done this to us?" And of course, they released Abraham. But the thing that puzzles me is, after they released him, the pharaoh gave him great wealth. (laughs) That's ironic. I've been wayward in my life. I've gone off and done some things. And I have paid the consequences of those actions. And I didn't get any extensive wealth in the process. In fact, it cost me more. And maybe that's just me. But here is it that this guy left in faith, started to do his own thing, planned to sin, because that's the lie. So it's not a regular sin it's a planning to sin and that's the dangerous one are you with me just you to understand how merciful God is and in the process God redeemed them and blessed them abundantly so I don't want to hear somebody say when you see someone doing well it's because they have been good and the Lord has blessed them not true We don't know the source of people's blessings. So stop the covetousness. Stop looking and trying to figure what they did right. That's not how it works. Abraham is a prime example of that. And so after they came back, they pitched their tent, he and Lot they fall out. We don't want to talk about Lot because this message is about Jesus, God. Abraham is just the Pawn, the medium by which we're going to make some very interesting points today. And so after all of that, the promise came back, and God told him, you fell in a dream, you know the story, and I want to get to the part where Sarah, they couldn't wait anymore. They're getting up in age, and Sarah brought... To Abraham, her handmaid. Because they got this lady out of Egypt. Yes? And so while she called Abraham. And she used a very interesting word when you read the story. Read the story again. You know, chapter 12 all the way to 23. She used a very interesting word to him. She said, Perhaps, This is the means by which God was going to give you you a hear. Perhaps she says. That word alone let her know that she didn't even believe that. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do we do that as Christians? I do that. I try to rationalize things. To say maybe this is what God meant. As opposed to stand still and allow him... To show me the way. I can't wait. So I said perhaps. That's what she said. Perhaps. And that decision alone. Brought so much heartache. Into Abraham's house. Well here's the very interesting thing. Sarah. Or Sarai. She did not just. Bring that to Abraham. Out of nowhere. She was exposed to it. God had called Abraham out of that. What's the lesson here? Young people, be careful the things that you let come in. Because the devil is waiting on the opportune time to use it against you in the form of a temptation. You see, this suggestion... To Sarai to say, give Abraham, Hagar, came because they were exposed to polygamy and it was becoming acceptable behavior. What is acceptable behavior in society has nothing to do with God's precepts. So we have to know scripture for ourselves. So when the devil comes with what seems to be acceptable, we can stand and say, nah not according to the word. And Abraham he he succumbed to it and it brought great contempt and hatred in his house. You know, Sarai she she treated Hagar really bad. Yeah. It was horrible treatment on both sides. And Hagar fled. And when she fled, uh, the angel of the Lord intercepted and sent her back, identified himself as, you know, coming from message from the Lord, and told her, go back and submit yourself to your mistress. Is that the story? The thing that got me when I read that, I'm like, why would a God, Send someone back to go through that type of treatment. Because Sarai wasn't going to behave any differently. And God said, go back and subject yourself. Submit yourself to your mistress. What kind of God is that? Sending her back to basically live a life of nightmare pain, mistreatment. I'm telling you, we serve such a wonderful God. This story is my favorite story of faith in the Bible, next to the Naaman story. This one. Because we can't see what God sees. And he sent her back, and he gave her a promise. And she held on to that promise. And she went back. And sure enough, Abraham, I'm just going through the chapters, you know. I'm down to chapter 19, chapter 20. Abraham, he now kind of started to worry about this love child. Very important. And, you know, the Lord visited with him, he fell on his face. And the Lord reminded him of the promise, and so we get to the point now where God fulfilled the promise, because we want to talk about other things. You know, you know the story. I'm just it's just a recap. And after he got the love son, are you with me? The love son. Abraham had a feast. ...when he was weaned. Remember this? Nowhere did I read that there was a feast for Ishmael. Do you see how special that son was to Abraham? He had a son before. He had no feast. But when he got Isaac, he had a feast upon his weaning. And Ishmael saw that and mocked him. He was jealous. And Hagar was jealous, and Sarah saw that, and she got scared. And she told him, hey, listen, I don't want him to be able to take away Isaac's rights as being here to your possession and position. And so she told him, you got to send them away. Is that the story? Send them away. and it says that Abraham's heart was broken because Ishmael was still his son and it was breaking his heart to send his son away I think you miss it you know did you know it broke God's heart to send Jesus away hmm this is a parallel God had to send Jesus away. And that story of Abraham is to tell us how God feels about us. Because he had to send his son away. And so Abraham was torn and pen of inspiration says, Sister White, Patriots and Prophet, you read that. There's so much in there. It says that when God assured him that this is okay to do. He reluctantly sent them away. And the thing that got me is that he sent them pack some food and some water and sent them away. Yes? Is that the story? Was Abraham a rich man? And so I'm puzzled. Didn't he know that they were, the food would run out? I'm like, God, why didn't you impress on Abraham's mind to give her more than food and water? What kind of God is this? Abraham had riches, wealth, possession, yet he sent her with food and water. They essentially were sent to die. Because they were going out into the wilderness. And the food ran out. The water ran out. And when she saw that the boy was dying, she hit him and turned her back and cried out to God. Isn't that what happened? Why would God send them away and not impress on Abraham to send them with stuff that can sustain them? And she turned her back. Mothers know this more than fathers. To to have to watch your son starve to death. And so she hid him, turned her back, and she cried out to God. And it says she was heard. No sincere cry to God will go unheard. None except none. None. And God promised her that Ishmael will be a great nation. Did you hear that? God promised her that. Church, did you hear that? Yes. yes, because it's important that you remember this. God promised her, and it seemed like the story ended right there. But I used to say, But I don't see where Ishmael became a great nation. Have you? Because we left Ishmael right there. But if God says that he will be great, then it is what? True. Why do we leave the story and not find out if God spoke the truth? You have to go to chapter 37. All the way to chapter 37, you got to go. To see what god meant when he told her he will be a great nation 15 chapters later do you remember that boy joseph jacob's son church you have to talk to me i don't know i want to know we're reading the same bible the same bible you remember that fellow joseph huh let's count the generations, because Exodus said something that God will visit the third and the fourth generation, yes? yes sir. So we have Abraham, then comes Isaac, then comes then comes Joseph. When the brothers wanted to murder him, remember this? And something happened where the little one said, uh-uh, no, 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 don't kill him. And they threw him in a pit and they were raising among themselves. You remember that? Yeah. There were some men coming. I tell you, this is about me. I took this out to the restroom for when the tears come because I'm, I've been having some experiences. There were some men coming journeying on to Egypt do you know who those men were the Ishmaelites they bought Joseph and prevented him from being murdered so that he could go to Egypt so he could get that position so he could come back and preserve Jacob and his sons so that Jesus Christ could be born from the line of Judah Ishmael's role, regardless of how he came, was so important to Jesus Christ being born. They will look at you sometimes. See, the despised son, the castaway, was the very one that God used to preserve the beloved son, Isaac's descendants. Are you with me? Don't question the circumstances under which you come on this earth. Because we serve a mighty God that can use any and everybody. We have no excuse. Are you with me? Israel was important to the grand scheme of things. And we're going to make that point even more ironclad a little later on. And so let's move to Abraham. Because we have to speed through this thing, you know. We're on time. So now is the time for the test. See, Abraham waited a long time for this son. I don't want to say he preferred Isaac because parents say, I love all my children the same way. Don't be quiet with me now. I say that too. And, you know, when they ask me, like, I love you guys both the same one, they're like, no, you love Bianca more than me, <laughs> you know. Right, parents? It's a tough one to be in. You generally gravitate to the ones that, you know, have similar interests as you. Not that you love them more. You just, you know, prefer them. But you see, there's a reason why God delayed that blessing. There's a reason why. See, there is like a cosmic battle going on. And God is showing things to the unfallen world to let them understand the plan of redemption. So multiple things are going on at the same time. But it doesn't matter because it's God. He can juggle all kinds of things. Because he's God. He's omnipotent. Are you with me? And so now is the time for the test. And he says to Abraham, uh, you know what? You're going to have to go sacrifice the son to me. But guess what? I'm not going to do it. You are going to do it. You see, because you love this son too much that you go do all kinds of things to get this son and didn't wait on me. Thus Ishmael. Yes? Yes? Now that you have this son, and I know you love this son. And I want you to prove that you love what? Me more than this son. Are you with me? Hmm? So you are gonna to have to lay your hands and offer this son up to me as a burnt offering. Huh. So Abraham, okay, no problem. He heart is heavy. And so he gathered the men, packed the stuff, and they journeyed on. Is that what happened? Come on, church. I don't want to start pointing fingers. Right? That's what happened as we know it. Yes? Here's a question: Do you think he told Sarah? No. Now you have to tell me what you think, you know, God made us intelligent beings. Do you think He told Sarah? why wouldn't he tell sir they tell me do not keep any secrets from your spouse that's what they tell me they tell you that too that's what they tell us the lesson here is sometimes there are things you have to keep your spouse away from for their own salvation we're on a Individual Christian journey with God. Salvation is individual. I tell you, if Abraham told Sarah, you see who were the biggest. Oh, it's not pants, but you know what I mean. Yes, there is no way she's going to let him leave with that son to go offer that son up for no sacrifice. So Abraham had to trust the Lord. And he left out on a three day journey. Where do you think the devil is at this time? Where, where is he? You think the devil is just sitting down twiddling his thumbs? Huh? Spiritual inspiration, read that. patriarchs and Prophets, chapter 13. Read the read chapter. The devil now is busy at work because you see, this is his opportunity to try and change Abraham's what? Mind create doubt because remember Abraham's expectation was to have a son legacy was important to people of that culture. Legacy. And here is it, God is saying, You are gonna to have to destroy your legacy. And you know, when you get into you know Sister White and Patriots and Prophet, it says that Abraham basically had to take time out because he was doubting, and he had to commune with God for clarification. Man, I wish I'd done that so many times in my life. Go back and check with God. When the devil confused me, the amount of heartaches that I've caused, not just myself but others, because I did not go back and check with God. Not because God... Say something to you, and you're following me that the devil is going to leave you to believe, he's going to come in to bring doubt. It's our duty to go back and consult our maker because he will clarify for us. And so, he did for Abraham. You know how he did? He said, Abraham, you said you wanted a son, did I not give him to you? This love son, huh? You asked me to help you to. Go and rescue Lot. Did I not do that? You asked me, even times when you didn't ask me, I have protected you from Pharaoh and Abimelech when you try to pass your wife off as your sister, not once, but twice. Did I not have that experience with you? So how dare you question me now? Your experience should drive your expectation, not the other way around. Sometimes we put too much emphasis in the promise and not the promiser. Okay. Okay. We let the promise overwhelm us, we don't focus on the promiser that he has never failed ever. Even in sin, he had the solution, which is Jesus Christ, who is now victorious from the grave. It is not the promise that we should focus on, but it's the promiser who backs 100%. And so Abraham, he went up there, told the guy, hey, you stay here. And he grew up at the mountain. And you know the story. Here's what's it get very interesting for me. When he was about to kill the boy, did you know Abraham killed that boy? Oops, you said, hey, no, your Bible went different. <laughs> right? Did you know Abraham killed him? In the Beatitudes, when you read past chapter 5, it says, If you think lustfully of a woman in your heart, you have sinned. If you think evil against your brother, you have committed what? Murder. Abraham killed him. God just stayed his hand. Did you get that? Abraham did. God just stayed his hand. Which tells me sin begins in the mind and culminates in the body. I'll give you another example. There was a man who was paralyzed for many, many years and was laying on his bed. And when Jesus healed him and told him to take up his bed and walk, What did Jesus say to him? Go and sin no more. I'm like, hold up. What do you mean? If this man is a paraplegic, what sin was he committing? He couldn't move. Oh, that man was just lying down, enjoying sin in his mind. Are you with me? Sin begins in the mind. The body just carries out the action. And so Abraham committed to following God. Do you know what that hand stands for? There was a substitute caught in the thicket. God is supposed to lay his hands on us. But Jesus Christ came in. And took that punishment, the wrath of God's hand. You're getting quite, you know, maybe I'm in a club. I'm saying it's all symbolic. The Abraham story is symbolic. Because here's what's really happened, and we're closing shortly. Here's what's really happening in this story. No other human prophet, patriot or whatever has gone through the type of trials and temptation and struggle like Abraham. No one else was given the test to kill their son which was symbolic of God is going to have to Kill his own son. I don't know what that could be like. And it's at that point that Abraham truly demonstrated his faith. Because he had faith, yes, but then he wavered. He had faith, he wavered, he lied. You understand? But after that incident, nowhere else in scripture does it say that Abraham fell again. No, I don't know if he did, but I can't find it. Right. After that decision, nowhere else in scripture does it say that Abraham went off and did things on his own. Nowhere. And so I say, and I challenge us today, brethren, when Abraham killed his son, yes? He proved to God that he loved God more than his son. Yes? No. No. I used to think that. This is just a contemporary interpretation. Don't shoot me when I get out there. I used to think that. They raised me to think that. When Abraham killed his son... That it proved to God that he loved God more than his son. No. When Abraham killed his son, it proved... How can you prove to God what God already knows? You think God didn't know that he was going to do it? God didn't make him do it. But God knows everything. He's the Alpha and the Omega. So he's not proving anything to God. Church, you're quiet. You make him feel like I'm blaspheming. You cannot prove to God anything. He knows everything. Beginning and end. So that's not what was being proven there. All it proved to Abraham. You see, the test was for Abraham. The test is not for God. If you think your test is for God... man you're reading a different Bible your test is for you it proved to Abraham that he loved what he loved God more than himself right that's the test not more than his son that's what they want us to believe the devil wants us to believe that it's not that we love our son more than we love God no, ultimately, it's because we love ourselves more than we love God. The sun is just a test. Yes. You want me to prove it to you? All right. Go back to the beginning. Adam had a choice. And we think that Adam loved Eve more than God. Hmm? No. Adam loved himself. More than God. By choosing Eve. Eve was the test for Adam. Eve was tricked. But for Adam, Eve was what? A test because God delayed Eve. I told you he delayed, he delayed Isaac. Didn't he delay Isaac? God could have given Isaac a long time ago. Are we on the same page here? God could have blessed Abraham with Isaac a long time ago. He didn't have to wait 120 years. Huh? But sometimes we think the desires of our hearts come from us. No, God places desires in our hearts. But He also wants us to trust Him to fulfill those desires and not to go off on our own to fulfill our desires by ourselves. When Adam was naming the animals, he said, hey, hold up, hold up, hold up, where is mine? You see, because in doing that, he recognized in himself that void. And that's when God said, all right, now you see it, go to sleep. So he loved Eve. Deeply. And so she became a test for him. Remember It's my interpretation. And so when that temptation came, the Bible says he knew exactly what he was doing when he sinned. Eve is a temptation. There's only one temptation, and that is to do either self-will or the will of God. Not to do Eve's will, no. Self-will or the will of God. That's the temptation. Am I doing my will? Doesn't matter what it is. What branch is if I'm doing my will or the will of God? Everybody has to answer that question. Don't tell me the devil made me do it. No, he just presents scenarios for you to exercise self-will. Are you with me? So... Abraham wasn't proving to God anything. Abraham was simply learning how much he loves God. What he was willing to give up for God. His entire life desiring this son. Finally got it. And I will give it up because this same God can give me back another son. As is evident by Job. You want to know how much God loves you? No? Okay. Yeah. Yeah? Here's how much God loves you. I see. Remember, I'm, I'm I'm preaching to myself because I truly couldn't understand it, how much God loves me. I don't even know why He would love somebody like me. You see, Adam had a choice, and he chose Eve. Abraham had a choice. And he chose God. God had a choice. And he chose you. He killed his son for you. That's how much God loves you. He killed his only begotten son. For you. For me. God had a choice. I'm going to show you how much, anytime you get doubt and you're trying to come up with your own expectation of what you think should happen and you're forgetting your experience, I want you to just keep this in mind that God is always in control. Could you put that slide up for me, please? God is what? Always in control. It doesn't matter how bleak the situation is. It doesn't matter how much heartache and pain you're going through. It doesn't matter this has been one of the toughest months of my life no parent want to know that their little girl get hurt and you got to deal with that and you have to question it here's what Ishmael did Ishmael preserved the lion and the tribe of what? Judah so that Adam, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Judah, Jesse, David, Joseph Jesus Christ came from that. Look at the other side; the same thing. That's the genealogy. Jesus coming from that. Do you see Agar's name on that side over there? The both sides. God had to intervene. When they went to Egypt. And was going to touch Sarah. He had to preserve pureness. So he had to intervene. There was a second attempt. He had to intervene again. Because he cannot come from impurity. So when he says to Abraham. In you. All the families. He never said. All the families after you. All the families, men, from the beginning, including your forefather, Adam. If you do this, I will come from your lineage to save all mankind. That's what Jesus, God, was saying to to, to Abraham. And so, what does that mean for you and I? Whenever the doubt comes, the uncertainties, like Abraham go back and ask God for clarification and stay there until you get it because when Hagar was crying out the Bible says God heard no sincere cry to God will go unheard none So as Christians, our faith makes no sense if we let our expectations drive the things that we want to experience. It is your walk with God that should allow you to not see the evidence but to walk by the experiences of the past because he never fails and i'll say this one more thing so we can understand now you have to come with me a little on the wings of your imagination just just for a second see if i were to say to you that i'm living right now with adam and eve you'd sign me up for the madhouse yes Huh? Thank you, brother. Adam and Eve and I, we're living right now. Moses, Abraham, Enoch, they all are living right now with me and you. Hmm? You see, God doesn't live in the timeline. See, God is outside the timeline. So when God sees the earth, he sees the? beginning and the end so when I'm living Adam was living to God what does that mean or what should it tell me so when I have my trials I have to wait on the passage of time because I can't speed it up but God already know what how he's gonna deliver me when he's gonna deliver me Where in the history of time so I should hold on to that fact That's the thing that I can't see. I can't see the future. I can't see how God is going to help me. But I have to hold on to that because God saw me when he saw Adam. He didn't see Adam and then see me. He saw us at the same time. That's the kind of God that we serve. So we should never ever be discouraged regardless of the challenge because he knew Job was going to suffer. Just like he knows I'm going to have this pain take that with you your heads are bowed your eyes are closed great God our Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus we thank you for the message today help us father to exercise your will and not our wills let your Holy Spirit continue to speak to us to encourage us to have perfect obedience because that's what you require no half obedience Help us, Father, to submit ourselves to you so that you can remind us of our out. When the devil come to get us, let us remember that we need to hold on to your promises, hold on to your word, but, Father, help us to hold on to our experience with you, the way you have led us in the past. Bless our church, the leadership of the church, and our members. We pray with thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Amen.